Episode 113 of the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Stuart Butler, joined today with two more of the three Stooges, Pete DeMeo. Hey, everybody. Or, or nya, 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 did I say? <laughs> and Phil Hariska. Hey, everybody. We're a, we're a female-free zone today. Not by design, but folks had stuff going on. But So you're stuck with us as boys, if that's okay. So I've been thinking, gents. So you know our tagline in our marketing has been the most important 30 minutes of your week yeah. is what we've been saying. Even though the show's an hour, we're assuming that folks listen to us on two speed. I just assumed it was because only half of what we say is relevant to hotel Well, marketing. that's probably true. Yeah, the other yeah. 30 minutes is the least important <laughs> 30 minutes of your See, your I thought they just week. skipped through the first half hour of banter and then... Like this, right? Yes. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but I was I was talking to Robert Cole earlier and I, I was describing our show as, you know, we have a lot of hotel marketing shenanigans and occasional tomfoolery and he felt like that should be our new tagline so what do you think i think we try it out yeah i like it run with it so i think i think i mean we've got shenanigans down pat we just got to up the occasional tomfoolery yep. a little bit so there you go hopefully so you guys can deliver on that. is sponsored by shenanigans and co-sponsored by tomfoolery there you go that would be a cool brand name shenanigans I'd wear, gotta be one. I'd wear a shirt that had a shenanigans i have a logo. shirt that has shenanigans on it do you really it's my uh Irish shirt. Does it really? It's got an Irish, like a you know, three-leaf clover thing. It says yeah. shenanigans. It reminds Shamrock. me of uh, Super Troopers when the guy's like, I'm going to shoot the next person that says shenanigans. <laughs> That's exactly right. We have said shenanigans a lot. All right, so let's jump into what the topic today is about. We won't actually jump into it until after Pete this does the news of ruse in a second. But we're going to be doing the second of our 101 series. So we did one already on how to create a perfect email but in this one we're going to be talking about seo search engine optimization and we're going to try to be as comprehensive as we can in an hour you know that's that's tough it's a big subject uh, but we'll get into you know what is seo is it dead and then what you really need to know about it so that's that's the topic today if you whether you're an expert or you're brand new to the industry i think hopefully there'll be some stuff about search engine optimization that you will take from this episode but before we get into that Pete, what's going on in the news of ruse? All right, well, oh. <clears throat> that with hotel marketing that cannot lose. Now it's time for news of ruse. Every week you tried to get away with not jingling. I did. Well, now it's more of a game, but I don't want to do it anyway. So, right. but let's talk about the news of ruse. So this is a big news of ruse. So if you're one of the people that Phil says skips the beginning, don't today. This comes to us from Skift, and the headline is Airbnb tests hotel. I'm sorry, test integration by adding some Hotel Tonight partners. This is a big deal. And if you are Expedia or booking something that you really need to pay attention to, because it starts allowing the independent hotelier to get some real estate on Airbnb. And this really comes on the, so there's a great article. It's on Skift. Definitely check it out. But it comes on the heels of Airbnb making another very significant change in terms of how it's altered the commission model to hotel providers. So previously, the way it would work is the Airbnb host, so in this case the hotel, would pay somewhere between 3 to 5%, and then the customer would pay fees up to 20% on the booking. So it's kind of the, the guest was actually the one pay, footing the bill for booking via Airbnb. 
from a hotel model that doesn't work so well. So they put in a, a big change where they're going to charge the hotel a 14% host fee directly to the hotel and the guest does not pay extra for booking the hotel on Airbnb. It's a big change. It, it's massive and it's a very deliberate <clears throat> number, that 14%. Because if you look at it, and we've been saying for months on this show that Airbnb wants to be an OTA. And if you didn't believe us, then surely you have to believe us now because these two things... Airbnb just became Airbnb an OTA. is an OTA in every sense of the word right now. And that 14% is really specific because it's it's a shot across the bow of Expedia and Booking.com. They are going straight for the jugular with this. Most people, at best, unless you're a Hilton and Marriott where they've negotiated crazy low rates of between 10 and 12%, most people are paying between 15 and 25% mm-hmm. commission to OTAs. So this 14% is this new line in the stand where they're like, hey, we're a better value proposition. And they had to do this to get rate parity because when they were tacking on the 20% consumer fee and the 3 or 4% to the hotel, the consumer was going to end up paying more for the hotel on Airbnb than they would on Booking.com. Exactly. So they had to do this, but they were also sweetening the pot. But with this 14% by saying, hey, we're better than Booking.com. Mm-hmm. This is this is a direct run to try to take market share from the big two. And I think it's, it's, it's huge. But one thing I would also look at is in terms of Airbnb's repeat business, if you book a property on Airbnb – you're more of an Airbnb customer than you are, you know, Phil's extra room customer. Mm-hmm. You're 90% likely to book another stay on Airbnb if you've booked one in the past. That's very different from the other OTAs. So it creates this area where they almost are creating a little bit of an ecosystem where you're very much still an Airbnb guest, even though you might be staying at you know, name the hotel. But don't you think that's going to change? I mean, the reason it is how it is now is because of the type of accommodation that you've been mm-hmm. staying at, right? There isn't, there isn't a consistency across when I stay at Phil's room versus Pete's mansion, right? There, there's not a consistency yeah. between I, those. I Airbnb think, was the common thread. Yeah, I don't think you'll see it. Uh, yes, you will see it drop from 90%. But I do think that that guess is probably a little bit different and will remain different for... A couple years while, you know, this shift takes place from a consumer's perspective. Yeah, that's what I was wondering: is how how's the normal consumer going to feel about booking a hotel room through Airbnb when they've established themselves as not a hotel, like an alternative? I'm but just they, curious. But they've changed that, right? If you look at sure, their, but you the look average the, consumer doesn't feel that. I right? understand, and the verbiage they've used is deliberate. Has been very deliberate over the years. Airbnb used to talk about. You know, homes. That was the nomenclature they used for the lodging. And then it, it, it kind of shifted a little bit. And when they started getting into hotels a year or so ago, it was boutique hotels or unique hotels. It was very specialized. Now they're just hotels. And this is, they're playing a long game here. You know, you've got to think they, they're about to do an IPO at some point in, in the next year or two. They, have to show Wall Street that there's a growth opportunity. There is zero growth opportunity in the home sharing space. Right? They they've saturated that market. That there's no way they can continue with the the track record of growth if they stayed in that market. So they've got to pivot. Their pivot is 100% going to become an OTA. 
because they see the valuation of booking.com and the valuation of Expedia and they feel like they can play in that space. So this pivot is going to be to some degree at the expense of the consumer that they've brought along for this alternative accommodation. Yeah, I mean because they had to go for the volume play. They're going to be making less per booking by going to this flat this rate volume. of 14%. But like you said, there's only so many people who are looking for a room share. This is going to expand that market. So when they go to the uh, the IPO. IPO process, they're going to have a much bigger, you know, pool to you know play yeah. in. So. I, you know, before this, I would have been apprehensive at, at at putting money into Airbnb as a stock. Now, I mean, I, they with the buzz they have, the the brand they have, I think they mm-hmm. have a real good shot at becoming a major player in the OTA space. Yeah. A third will, tier. Will they start competing on TripAdvisor and GHA? For, yeah, of course. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. That's interesting. If they're how aggressive they'll be on TripAdvisor, yeah, I don't know so much. They've about got to that. start playing if they want to compete with Expedia and Booking.com. They're going to have to start playing everywhere. There's Meta. They're going to have yeah. to be on Google hotel ads. They're going to have to be on TripConnect. Mm-hmm. The question is, is it viable? Because their margin isn't as big as booking an, an Expedia, or is this going to force booking an Expedia to reduce their commission structure? I think that's one of the things that once you start paying fourteen percent, and you find that it's filling rooms, they're going to have a hard value proposition. If proposition of your Expedia or booking to say, oh, but my booking is worth eighteen percent or whatever you end up negotiating it yeah. down to. I mean, it's going to take a while, right? I'm not saying you can shut off Expedia today and, and jump all in on, on Airbnb, but you should definitely be tra- testing Airbnb and looking at it and seeing what kind of customer you're getting, what kind of rate you can get. And is this a, a viable third third option when it comes to mm-hmm. OTAs? So, and I know, I know we don't want to stay on the news news all the whole time. Uh, one, on their website, it says, book unique places to stay and things to do. It doesn't talk about you know, Airbnb, you know, the room anymore. It's just unique right. places to stay, which is pretty interesting. But it makes me think that maybe they won't necessarily jump into something like, you know, uh, TripAdvisor, probably GHA a little bit more, but I don't know about TripAdvisor, simply because this isn't all new for them. This is a new slice of the pie where they're not currently addicted to TripAdvisor. You know, can they work on growing their share of the pie and try to keep their, their ecosystem a little bit different? I don't yeah. know. I mean, it's, if, if they keep it to themselves, there's more of that 14% that they get to keep. Yeah. You know what's going to also be interesting is a, a large chunk of the revenue from the big OTAs, the two major OTAs, comes from brand PPC. You know, those those two mm-hmm. groups are spending each in excess of $3 billion a year on Google ads, right? So they're obviously generating a positive return for that, and that's generating – clearly more than $3 billion in revenue, although otherwise they wouldn't be doing it, right? So, and that's just a fract that that's from their percentage that they're making, their actual profit margin. So they they must be generating $30 billion or whatever it is in re- total room revenue through their Google ads. So for Airbnb to compete with these guys, are they now going to have to start bidding on brand terms? What, on what's Google? the brand though? That's not Airbnb's thing right now. It's I'm looking for a unique place to visit. No, but I'm not talking about Airbnb at. brand. I'm talking about the hotel brand. I am too. So I'm so just... if I'm I'm the you know hotel Pete DeMeo in Austin, Texas, 
and someone types in Hotel Pete DeMeo in Austin, Texas. And right now we see, hopefully, the brand itself is bidding, Expedia is bidding, TripAdvisor is bidding, Booking.com is bidding. Are we now going to see Airbnb bidding on that same keyword? It's a question. I would... I would think they would want to hold back on I, that for I, now. I, see, I would think they'd go right after it. Really? Yep. They have to to scale. <clears throat> they have to. They don't have a choice. So I, I have not seen a, an agreement yet between a hotel and um, Airbnb, so I don't know what language there is. In the Expedia and the Booking.com contracts, there are specific passages that say that Expedia and Booking.com are allowed to do that. Mm-hmm. That's that's how they get around any kind of trademark infringements and things like that. To play with Expedia and Booking.com, you have to allow them to bid on your brand. Yeah, I don't, I don't doubt that. I don't that. know Ho- if that's I mean, in... Hotel Tonight, it, they're, they're feeding Hotel Tonight inventory, so it'd be whatever the Hotel Tonight agreement would be, I would guess. I, but yeah, I don't I know wanna... that from Airbnb's perspective, you'd still market the destination in that Airbnb has a unique place to stay there. And, and push it from them. That's where their roots are. But you're going to be Tri- limited in buying, right? The, the reason OTAs have the strong foothold they have is because they're bidding on brand. They're hijacking the existing awareness of properties mm-hmm. to the detriment of the property. Yeah. I, I see what you're saying, and I could see them going in that direction. I believe it would be a smart play to... Play clean? No, not... no, more of uh, build up your market share with your existing Airbnb guests and get more dude, bookings that, from that's them. That's so small compared to the hotel industry at large. Like the volume it, it going is. through Airbnb compared to going through Expedia is nothing, yeah. right? But so. when you look at TripAdvisor and they're them struggling, put your money on GHA if if I'm Airbnb because that would make a lot of sense. I'm looking for a hotel in say Myrtle Beach and then Airbnb is showing me options there or I start drilling yeah. down and now I have an Airbnb option which to me is more of a direct booking feeling than yeah. the other way around. I mean, I think it's clear, right? We're experts in this space and we don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a very hazy, murky future. We, we All we know is that Airbnb is legitimately trying to become a, a true competitor to Expedia and to Booking.com. And, and I would encourage everyone listening to embrace that for mm-hmm. now. You know, are there risks? For sure. But we really don't, feel like the risk's any greater than it is in, in your over-reliance on the big two right now. So, you know, it's. I think you have to have a diversity of distribution. Mm-hmm. And this is potentially a new distribution channel that you didn't have that's affordable in, in, in comparison to the other guys that you're probably already reliant on. So... That is the truth. Yeah, it's... <clears throat> it's. I mean, it, it really... This news, though, that came out this week is really valid validation of what was that noise it's my computer uh, tell me it's summer hours starting awesome. so we had to shut this thing down it's <laughs> but it's it's really validation of what we've been saying for a while which is Airbnb wants to be an ota so there you go that that was a long but very important news i feel like so uh let's jump into the topic shall we at hand let's SEO. hey um phil you're you're a resident seo expert you did these notes you did, did a stellar job might i say well, thank you. Yeah. Before we jump into the first part of what SEO is, I feel like there's a stat of the week. And in, in honor of the fact that not only do we have shenanigans, but we have occasional tomfoolery, I feel like, Pete, you might have some tomfoolery about to happen with the stat of the week. I do. This is, this is, this is happening right now. So here we go. It's the stat of the week. <laughs> 
<laughs> that is so stupid. That is a perfect sound for, for Stat of the Week. So I think Melissa will appreciate that. And she'll probably bring this into her daily Stat of the Week for us. So anyway, <laughs> here it is. Natural search traffic trends over the last several years, they definitely vary by market, right? But what we're seeing in the Myrtle Beach area and other areas is search has been declining relatively significantly for the last several years. And what we're seeing is right now as a percentage of traffic, it's anywhere between 30 to 45% of just natural search traffic coming in, which is way lower than what it has been in the past. Right. But, but, but it's still 30 to 45%. I mean, it's between a third and a half of your total traffic coming to your website, depending on you know how hard you, you go at third parties, how hard you hit your email database, how big, you know, your overall advertising mm-hmm. spend is, it can vary for sure. But for the majority of people, it's at least a third of your traffic is coming in from organic search. Yep. So every time someone says, SEO is dead, you shouldn't be focused on it. Yeah. It, Just shake your finger at them and yeah. shake your head at them. Yeah, because here's the question. If SEO is dead, don't do it anymore and Watch understand happens. that 30 to 45% of your traffic is going to disappear. Yeah, so. you don't want that. I don't want that. No, nobody wants that. No. So, Bill, what's SEO? SEO. So we're, we're this is this, this is, is SEO one hundred and one. So we're gonna get basic. Yeah. If you're an expert, you can probably skip. But SEO one hundred and one. So SEO, also known as search engine optimization, if you weren't aware, um, it's basically the process of driving a higher quantity of traffic and a higher quality of traffic to your hotel's website. So you achieve a higher quality of traffic by targeting the right keywords, and then you get the higher quantity of traffic by ranking higher for the keywords you're targeting. Wait, but Phil, I thought it was all about ranking. Is it not all about ranking? It is, I mean, it's about both. I mean, you have to you have to choose your battles, so pick keywords that are attainable for you to target and topics that are attainable for you to target, but you also need to be doing the right thing to make sure you rank for those terms because if you're not ranking for the terms you're targeting then it's all useless right and I, I think two of the big mistakes i see people make is one they make assumptions that people are searching a certain keyword that they're not right so i think you've got to pay attention to search volume in, mm-hmm. the, in that case and we have a lot of clients tell us dictate to us hey i want to rank number one for this t- keyword and we spend time educating them and showing them hey this is probably not the best use of our time or yours. So that's one. And then the other is people have unrealistic expectations and they want to rank for keywords that they really don't deserve to rank for. Right. Right. A, a great case of that is you're, you're a hotel in Austin, Texas, and but you're just one hotel and you say to your SEO firm or your SEO person, I want to rank number one for the keyword hotels in Austin, Texas. It's it's just not a realistic expectation, and it's not really in the spirit of what Google's trying to do. And we'll talk about that a little bit later on in the show about what Google's really trying to do. But someone on Google searching for hotels in Austin doesn't want one hotel at that point. They're trying to expand their decision set and see multiple hotels and discern you know from them what is going to be best for them and their family is, or whatever they're traveling. Which is why, go ahead and make that search, hotels in whatever city. You're not going to find a specific hotel on top. You're going to find TripAdvisors, Expedias, 
the sites people normally visit first to get an idea of who's you know, what what hotels are in town because right. that, that matches sites. the yeah. searcher intent. Yeah, those sites have utility. They they show rate comparisons and review comparisons and stuff to help a consumer make a decision. AKA the things that d- do deserve to be on that first page. Right. right. So so is SEO dead? <laughs> That's so annoying. It it, it pops up once, twice, three times a year, Google will change something and the industry flips out and says, oh, SEO's dead, SEO's dead. It's not dead, but it's never going to die. Tactics will change, though. I mean, SEO is entirely different than it was even you know a couple years ago last year, but way different than it was eight years ago. It's, it's just a, you, have to, you have to take different tactics based on Google's algorithm. Google will never tell you what their algorithm is. They're never going to tell you how it works. And you basically just have to make the best experience you can for the visitor of your website. Yeah, and I I think that's one of the key mistakes people make with SEO. And we will talk about the algorithm because it's important to have context and and understand what you can control, what levers you can pull, buttons you can push. But when you have an SEO strategy that is focused on chasing the algorithm you're always going to be behind the eight ball because, and we'll, we'll talk in a second about all the changes Google's made over the last five years, but the reality is they make hundreds and hundreds of changes a year and they're always testing the algorithm. So if you're trying to game the system, you're trying to do stuff to trick Google, you're always going to be behind them. So what we advise our clients to do and what you should do is instead of worrying about what Google's doing, Worry about what Google's intent is. And Google's intent has always been the same, has never changed. How they get to this point has evolved and the tactics have evolved. But all they're trying to do is marry the best content with the searcher intent, right? So all they want to do is if someone's making a query, understand the semantics and the intent behind that query and then find the best website that can possibly answer that question to the best of its ability so if you focus on that part figure out what what keywords are relevant to you in what's going to be the best in terms of driving revenue for you and then produce the best value for that customer in the form of content for that keyword you're always going to be ahead of the competition always right and i mean we're we just talked about google changes all the time so i made note of a few things that that google has changed over the past five years or so so the biggest one I feel like is they've taken a mobile first approach as you know, everybody has a smartphone in their hand. Everybody knows that, but the mobile first approach focuses on a very fast site. So quickly to load and an easy to digest mobile experience. So sites that have that are valued higher in the ranking algorithm. Yeah. News came out just this week about how, you know, we've known that, about 50% of sites have been considered, they index mobile first, but Google said now any new websites that are built, they're gonna look at the mobile index as the primary index for all new websites. And Google's not trying to be sneaky on this. This is Google saying specifically, this is what you need to be doing to best adhere to what our customers are currently clicking on and what they're looking for. They're finally slapping the industry over the head and saying, look, everybody, this is the internet and it's done on a phone now. So yep. pay attention. Um, they did to the that. same thing when you looked at internet security with requiring mm-hmm. you know 
security certificates on all sites. Well, that's yeah. that was my next one. So oh, sorry. that's okay. Perfect segue. Um, that was another thing that, that Google has changed over the past years. They're giving more value to sites that are secure. So your HTTPS, your SSL certificates, being having a secure site is valued higher in their eyes. So the next one would be um, they've become a lot better at evaluating content. Stuart was just mentioning they try to marry the searcher intent with the best possible website. Well, now they understand websites a whole lot better than they used to and, and the content on them, the video on them. They're, they're much better at deciphering what a page, what's on a page and, and marrying that with the query. Uh, another one would be um, cleaning up the local search packs. There was, uh, I think they, the industry considered it the possum update, but um, basically what they did was eliminate duplicate searches or duplicate citations, spammy citations, and, and cleaned up their maps and, and local map packs within the search results big time. Um, and then going back even a few years on that, we had um, the Penguin algorithm where they were devaluing sites that were participating in black hat efforts like like link schemes and and keyword stuffing and things like that so they they're constantly changing that that's and, and an important trying. one right because i think over the over the years and we've been involved in seo really since the early 2000s when seo came to the forefront and there were definitely periods throughout that time where there was an exploit Right there, was, there was definitely a time where you could go and buy links, and it helped your ranking in the short term, and you would see a boost. And people would always look for ways to scale things like that that worked for a short period. But in every case that that has happened, Google has reacted very strongly and penalized it. So folks that I saw had maybe six to twelve months of benefit from those schemes have not recovered to this day because when Google came back and said, nope, they they were very fierce with their penalties mm -hmm. for that stuff. So it, it's tempting sometimes to try to game a system, but you are always, always, always going to get caught and Google's always going to. And they're so advanced now that it's, you really can't game. They, the but the Nessus, they know they back when that was a thing, it necessarily what they weren't, that advanced they let that True. exploit go for a while i participated in it i mm -hmm. just got into the industry around that time i knew i did not know better and basically you didn't work for fuel at the time. no we i did would not never allow those kind of shenanigans no, to happen. but uh, i mean it was basically everyone in the industry understood the more links you had the higher you will rank and if you could pick the right anchor text in your links you will rank for that mm -hmm. keyword i mean I could damn near make a website go from not ranking on the first five pages to being number one or two within a few days. That's how quick this was happening. And it was so, I mean, it was... It's all Russian links. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was simple. Yeah. Um, they had link farms, content farms to create this stuff, but that's all considered black hat tactics. I would never do anything like that today. But it's it was eye-opening to get that slap from Google and then all of a sudden all those keywords that you were ranking number one for... You don't rank at all, yeah. and and it it was impossible to recover. So, I mean, that's a live and learn type of scenario. Yeah. But well, you know, while they're not rolling out those big updates, they have all, so many iterative updates now behind. They the say scenes. they make about three a day. Right. So it's always changing. Yeah. It's always getting more accurate, 
which means if you're just not coming out with the best information for your customers and building the sites in the way that are most useful for customers and search engines being customers as well, you're not going to rank where you deserve to rank. So well, you, really you, no, you are going to rank where you deserve well, yeah, that's to true. rank. You're gonna rank <laughs> that's where you, true. But if you really say, I yeah. deserve to be an authority on this subject, mm-hmm. then become earn that it. authority. Earn it. Yeah, become that authority. Yeah, you, you can't cheat the system. You can't game the mm-hmm. system. You have to earn your position today. Yeah. And so, even earning your position now is, I mean, we talked about it. Natural search is decreasing. And, in, and a lot of the reason that sites are seeing natural search decrease is because of how the SERP has changed over the past few years. So when we talked about some of the algorithm changes they made, the way that they display search results to the consumer, to the searcher, is is vastly different than it was five, six years ago. Right, and, and especially in our space, right, in the hospitality space, where they've really done a good job from their perspective and their stockholders' perspective of putting things like the Google hotel ads front and center. Like if you search for any destination now, it's, I, I was listening to um, Tim Peters' most recent podcast, and he was citing a study that was done on um, ranking position over the last few years. And I forget the specifics, but I, I want to say it was like over a five-year period. Even if you organically rank number number one for, for a given keyword, five years ago, you were only 300 pixels or so down from the top of the screen. Now, even if you're still ranking number one, you're over 900 pixels it's down. Like three scrolls. Right. So you're, you're way below you know, all the Google ads, and there's more Google ads above you than there used right. to be. They removed they the right rail from three to four, and they gave you a ton more real estate. Right. Now you can have three description, or three headlines, two descriptions, tons right. of new extensions. So there's, there's more of them. There's one more, and they're bigger. Then you've got Google Hotel ads, which is taking up more and more real estate. Then you got the local pack, which used to be below the number one organic ranking. So it's not it's not that you you know, if you're seeing a decrease in your organic traffic, it's not necessarily that you're doing anything wrong or your rankings are dropping. It's just that Google has devalued the number one mm-hmm. position by putting paid content above it, stuff that they're generating revenue from, which to be fair, Google's a business. They need to make money. That's probably the right thing to do from their perspective. And I can see where people would get mad at Google for that. But take a step back and and look at it from the other perspective. Google has given you free exposure for so many years. And still to this day, if you do SEO right, 30% to 45% of your traffic can still come from free, essentially free traffic. Although you have to spend money on resources and content and things like that. It's still a non-paid exposure from, you know, it's not advertising. So... You should be appreciative of the fact that you can still get 30 to 45% of your traffic essentially free from Google and then pay for the other stuff because you're also going to get a ton of traffic from that. Well, I mean, we've mentioned position one a couple of times, but even another um, search result page feature that, that it's now called in the SEO industry, we call it position zero. It's the featured snippet. Mm-hmm. It's, it's answering the searcher's query right in that answer box right at the top they don't need to click through to your website most of the time they can for more information that's why it's position zero you don't necessarily have to rank number one for the query to get that answer box you can rank four or five but they think that your site is the best at answering that question but 
I mean, that's, that's again, that's pushing organic rankings further down the page. Mm-hmm. It's getting getting the question answered as quickly as possible. Right. And that, that trend is not going to change. You know, I don't, do I think we're going to be like seven scrolls in a year on organic? I don't, but they're going to continue to push, especially the Google, you know, within recent announcements about Google Trips. We talked about that on last week's episode. Google Trips and this whole push towards owning the vacation planning space that that's going to continue to push down your organic rankings oh, for sure. They're Any trying to travel keep, related. They're keep. trying to keep everybody in their little in, in their ecosystem. ecosystem. Yeah. That's if you look sure. now, some of the pages, if you go into Google hotel ads or, or the hotel section of Google trips, some of those pages for hotels have more information than the hotel website itself. Mm-hmm. There, there's the problem, right? The, the hotelier is not doing a good enough job managing their website and making sure that they have the best most definitive content available on the web when they're not taking advantage of other SERP features like aggregate rating which shows the hotel's aggregate rating in a star form so a star out of five stars right next to their organic listing right that's i mean it's huge it draws the eye to it people click on it and we'll touch on that in a second when we talk about schema and things like that so where do you see the algorithm heading Mm -hmm. we kind of talked about SERP but what other things do you feel like they're going to be focusing on? I mean, I I have to base it off what what I've heard, you know, just researching industry news and and what I've seen happening. I think it, it's going to continue to be mobile first. That is obvious. I mean, as as mobile phones evolve, as you know, desktop and laptop phases out, and and I, I shouldn't say phases out, but um, as mobile becomes more popular people become way more comfortable with using it for purchasing we've seen that happen you know as as revenue from a mobile device has gone shot through the roof basically it's not going to go away for sure it's not going to decrease i mean i think eventually we're going to get to where voice starts which is going to be on a mobile device but slightly looked at slightly different voice and um eventually augmented reality and things like that mm-hmm. and, and eventually implants and and things like that are going to take over but for the next five years minimum mobile should be where the majority of your focus is because that's where the majority of your potential revenue and traffic comes from and if you're not in that position yet then you really need to consider what what technologies and partners you have because we see at fuel here with our booking engine we've got dozens of clients now that not only have hit that that first tipping point of more traffic is coming on mobile, but we're, we're beginning to see folks that have hit that second tipping point where the majority of bookings are coming from mobile. And we've even began to see now this year, we're beginning to see a couple that are hitting that third tipping point where revenue on mobile is outpacing desktop. And there's a lot of factors to what what would influence that, but it's it's where the whole industry is heading. And, and Google certainly is telling us very strongly, we're focused on mobile. You, from a marketing perspective, need to be focused on mobile. And I mean, just um, from a, we, we talked about differences and their changes in the search results page. I think that's going to continue. We just saw something come out not too long ago. We, we, we'd seen it in beta, but now we're seeing it a lot more in the live environment where they're showing rates in a, it's like a, almost looks like a bar chart across the search result and it'll say you know hey if you if you book on thursday it's going to cost this amount of money if you book on friday it's going to cost this amount of money it's almost a forecast of prices for a hotel yeah and they've been doing that with the, with the um airlines for a while where they they said okay this is the time to book the prices probably aren't going down between now and when you're um gonna fly 
they're applying that same machine learning to the hotel industry and off and telling people when to book, when not to book, and predicting what's going to happen to those those rates. And I, I think that kind of leads into my next point of what we're expecting for SEO. Natural search will continue to go down. It's it's never going to die, and it's still going to be thirty to some percent of your traffic. But you said it might not be four scrolls. It might be, um, but. Google's going to do their best to keep people within their ecosystem. They, they are, but they've got to provide value, right? The, the reason Google has a 90% market share of search is because they people they like the experience and they get the results they expect and they want. Right? See, I think Google's on the money there. I don't know that they've, they've kind of taken their eye off of that ball. Yes, you're seeing less traffic from natural search, but you're not seeing less traffic from Google. Right, you're seeing it it's from other to platforms, right. yes. And from a customer's perspective, they're still getting the most relevant information at the top. They're getting more on-page or on-serp content that they need. It's just from a hotelier's perspective or a marketer's perspective, now you're just having to pay for that portion of the traffic that was free. Well, yeah, we. I mean, we we talked about it earlier. The first, right now, it's about two and a half, three scrolls, depending mm-hmm. on how big your local pack is, of Google making money before they hit organic results. Yeah. Google's going to make money on any click you make there. So, uh, it, I mean, it's just that that to me is, is you're going to see natural search decline with, with all of this stuff. Google, Google trying to keep people within their ecosystem. Um, another thing that I see coming forward is additional SERP features are going to be driven by schema markup. Including this is voice. one-on-one. I think we need to define, when we say SERP, I think we need to tell people what this uh, is. Sorry. SERP is search engine results page. So, so the thing you what, see when yeah, you search. The visible screen on Google, whether you're on a desktop or a, or a phone, what people see is the SERP. Or now, I guess, the voice SERP? I don't know. If it's just answering your question, what do we call it? I don't know. We, we need to coin a phrase for that. I'll work on it. Yeah. Um, I'm not smart enough to come up with something funny. You can use my robot beep boop sound <laughs> okay. if you want. Beep, beep, beep. Um, for, uh, again, back to, to voice search, I think that's going to change the type of queries you're getting to your website as well. It's going to be more question-based. I wouldn't necessarily start optimizing for all question-based queries. Um, we, we do certain things to target to get featured snippets, and I think that's that's the way to go. We did an episode on that. It was episode 87 where we said, is voice search finally killing SEO? But in that episode, and that was a tongue-in-cheek sure. title, right? To link yeah, we, we've talked about killing SEO a few times, and right. in every one of those episodes, no. The answer is no, we're not killing. But um, in, in that, we talked spe- with specific examples of what you can do to prepare for voice search it's not something you need to be all in on right now something you need to be aware of and there are some specific things that are good for seo in general that really will put your best foot forward as we go to this voice first world which potentially is coming potentially not but your proper markup will help you answer those questions and show up for those type of queries you keep wanting to get to the schema markup with it's it's late later in the show notes But hold your horses. I have a couple more things that I see coming in the future, and they shouldn't be surprising to you. Um, page speed is going to continue to be a major factor. Devices are getting faster, and people's patience is decreasing. And if things take too long to load, they jump back and go somewhere else. So page speed is ever important. The, probably one of the most overlooked factors in search engines, optimization. It, it's 
you know, it, it can be kind of complex and it can require effort from multiple stakeholders. But by golly, does it have an influence? Oh, We've a, seen a direct correlation when you speed up a website of, of ranking and traffic right. and revenue. And, and again, it goes back to this is a better user experience when it's fast. There's There's no benefit of being slow. So page speed's really important. And lastly, what I see coming forward is links will still be important. Do you feel like though, and we'll talk about the algorithm in a second, but do you feel like, oh, but as their machine learning rank brain piece of the algorithm becomes more mature, do you feel like links are going to get devalued? I don't think they'll be devalued. I think they're going to look at them differently, just like they always shift how they, what, what factors into their algorithm. Um, I, I don't think it'll ever be devalued. I do think they'll continue with the penguin algorithm and spammy links will be looked at as spammy and they're not going to give you any credit. It might actually hurt you, but good quality links are still always going to be someone else voting for your website saying, Hey, they have great content. You should go here. I think they're good enough that I will tell you my visitor to go to that site instead. That's always a, um, a positive Indicator, you know, yeah. positive indicator, yeah. Yeah. So let's put a pin in that because I want to come back to that that point in a second. But you know, let, this is one hundred and one. So let's talk about. We were on a call recently with a with a client, and we were talking about SEO like they knew what we were talking about, and and we had to take a step back and start explaining some of the the nomenclature that we're using. So let's let's start at the very beginning, right? So it, crawling and indexing. Right. Let, let's talk about that. What is that and why should people care about it? So crawlers or you know, the otherwise referred to as spiders is basically what Google's using when it hits your site. It starts going through your code, finding links, following links, going through the other pages within your site. And, and that's how it's digesting all of the information that you're providing. So the crawlers will crawl through your site and hit as many pages as they can. And that's how they decide what your site's about right so that, that they're essentially magical bots right they're, they're, it's code from google that goes out and searches the web and finds stuff so think think about the sentinels in um in the matrix yes that, that's the kind of how i think about them they're going out and seeking things although not destroying fortunately they're, right they're just seeking yeah so i mean it's it's parsing out your content and and that's yeah. how it can say oh someone searched this i sh i have I've crawled so many sites that contain this type of content. Which one do we feel is the best? Right. So that now you're getting into the indexing part, sure. right? Which is essentially where Google um, kind of pegs your content to be relevant to specific topics or or eventually keywords. So so it takes the co the content, understands the semantics of it, and then starts to kind of pigeonhole you into okay, this is a hotel website and it's talking about this destination and um, I don't know how big latent semantic indexing is, but it used to be a big part of the algorithm where they, they would look at you know, how what you're saying is relevant to other keywords and things like that. I think it's increasingly important. I almost wanted to put that in what do I see SEO going towards. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's going to be less keyword focused. Yeah, of course you want to have a target keyword so your page has a focus, but we're going to be focusing around topics a lot more than right. anything. So when, if you can have content around an entire topic where you have 
multiple variations of a specific keyword and and you're really covering the topic as a whole you're much more likely to rank for it right and as the algorithm gets more sophisticated that's more important a more natural language a more um, diverse language is is more is is more important than it used to be because you know the algorithm used to be kind of when it, it was more immature, didn't have the sophistication it has today. So you, you could keyword stuff. You could put mm-hmm. in the keyword you were targeting it 10 times on a page and you'd rank higher. But now Google sees that as not natural, not organic, and, and you can get penalized for that kind of stuff. So you've got to, you know, if you're saying hotels in Austin, you might want to vary that up a little bit. And Austin hotels and, you know, just different mix around, okay. mixing around the, the words a little bit. One thing that, I have my team do is when we're picking a target keyword we'll go see who ranks for that what type of terms they're using we kind of spread those terms out then we go search who's ranking for the variations of that keyword and we try to absorb all the information we can about again said topic and then we kind of know what words we need to work into the page based yep. on who's ranking highest and a good way to kind of figure that out is that when you do a search for any keyword at the very bottom of the search engine results page google typically shows you re- related searches so there, there's a good opportunity there to kind of go through that and say okay here are the 10 people relate ranking for this keyword i want to target now what are the related keywords mm-hmm. and who's ranking for that and we, we've talked before about a good practice that we like to encourage is what we call 10x content, being 10 times more valuable than the next best guy. And one of the best ways to do that is to go and look at the competition on any given keyword and subset of topics and compile all the information into one cohesive piece of content on your website. And that tends to really help from a ranking perspective. So let's jump into the algorithm a little bit. Yeah, we've said the algorithm a lot, and we t- we talked already about the fact that it changes. Google's testing it every day. You well, know, they say multiple three tweaks three right, times a day. Right, they've gone away for sure from this. You know, big updates every six months to constant stream of tweaks. And the other thing to consider with the algorithm is, you know, the ra- the rankings for me might be different than the rankings from you because part of the algorithm is personalized oh, yes. information. Especially that they, if you're, if you're logged into their system, it's 100% personalizing mm-hmm. it for you. Right. And not just to you specifically, but to you geographically. It's I mean, there's to you a, geographically and, and, and people that they consider yeah, like demographically, you. Right. There's a lot How of do things. you yeah. behave? Yeah. So that's why you always have to be a little bit careful when you do a search for an industry that you're in and look at your location yeah, because it is going to be different than what different. your consumer says. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they, I mean, kind of going back to your last point, they are constantly tweaking, but again, I mean, w- once in a while we still see a huge shakeup in search results and the SEO industry goes crazy and it's dead. Like, SEO's yeah, dead. Yeah. And it'll be like, Oh, they pushed out a, a major core algorithm update. Yeah. They probably did. Or maybe they made a tweak that seemed like a core algorithm update. We yeah. don't know. Yeah, a tweak They're to never them for let your specific know. property may be right. major. Right. Yeah, you don't know. Yeah, if they just said, okay, this page speed is 1% of the algorithm, and then they updated that to now it's 3%, that could have a major shift in terms mm-hmm. of who's ranking where. So I, I think the important thing is we already talked about don't chase the algorithm, focus on the consumer. But I think it is important to understand that there are hundreds, if not thousands, of factors that go into the algorithm. But 
Google tends to, and this is this, you know, they're very sheepish about what is in their algorithm and specifically what what weight each one has. But they've been very clear and consistent over the last, I'd say, five years, and said there are three things you really, really need to focus on. One is content, and we've already really um, talked about how you need to have 10x content and and how you need to serve the intent of the consumer. So that's that's one, not necessarily number one of these three, because Google's never really came out and said this this one's more than this other one. It's more these are the top three in some order. So one is, one is content, the other one is links, which we'll talk about in in a little bit, but links to your website. And um, you kind of alluded to this already, mm-hmm. Phil. Which links are what what Google uses essentially as a proxy for the quality of your content. Because as sophisticated as as the algorithm's gotten in terms of understanding the semantics of your website, it's still learning when it comes to um, how good you are at writing about that content. Links are almost the human element of it. Right. Because somebody else saying, I'm going to add this It's a third-party endorsement of the content. So anytime you get a link, it's almost like a vote. And they also weight the quality of that link. So if you if you're getting a link from the New York Times, that's going to be have more weight than a link from Pete's B blog, mm-hmm. right? So you you need to make sure you really focus on links. We'll talk about that in a second. But then the third thing, the third thing that Google has definitively stated is the one of the top 3 most important factors and I think will eventually become the most important factor. It'll be the factor. Yeah. It'll encompass is, is their rank this. brain, their AI algorithm. It's rank brain, it's all one word, capital R, capital B. But a lot not a lot of people really understand what rank brain is and how important it is. Sure. I mean I I mean I don't understand what rank brain is because <laughs> they keep changing it. Well this is true. It's it, it's um like you said, it's AI driven. It takes into account how humans are engaging with content and will rank things accordingly. I mean, if someone's, if, if a page is getting a ton of clicks and a ton of engagement, Google's going to understand that this is going on and uh, okay, someone, a ton of people are clicking on this page and they're staying on it for a long time. Like that's part of, that's Mm -hmm. part of that. It's a basic understanding. There's a reason Google gives away Google analytics for free and it's not because they're, really generous it's because they want data in the fact that 99.9 percent of websites on the internet have installed google analytics and the fact that if you read the terms and conditions it states very clearly that they will use the data and the information they gather from their google analytics tool to influence their search engine algorithm should tell you everything you need to know so RankBrain, in a very simple form, is Google's way of using machine learning to incorporate behavior into the algorithm. So think about it. The very simplest example of that is how much time people spend on the website. So if I do a search for Austin Hotels, because we've been using that just this episode, and I click on the first result and it's Expedia, and I spend 10 seconds on that site, and go back, hit my back button, go back to Google, and then click on booking.com, and I spend 20 minutes on that site and go eventually on to book. That just informed the algorithm that booking.com for me was a better experience Mm -hmm. and gave me a better 
result for the intent of my search. And that is essentially what Rank Brain is. It's looking at consumer behavior on the websites and factoring that into who ranks above whom. Uh, several years ago, I was at a conference and Rand Fishkin, who is the co-founder of, of SEO Moz. Well, yeah. And wow, it hasn't been called SEO Moz in a while. Yeah, I just looked. I'd rather grab here from his uh, bio and it's still listed as yeah. SEO Moz. He's not with Moz anymore. No, I didn't realize no. that until recently. He still <laughs> works with them a bit, but but uh, he started but his own so, company though, right? But yes, it, it was interesting. So we were in a room of you know five thousand plus people, and he was showing us specifically how those little things that customers do immediately in fact impact the search. And he says, okay, first thing is we're gonna pick a a relatively small searched term. So we went to this term, everybody clicked on the first listing. So everyone had their, their laptop. Yeah, so it was, uh, so what they did was gave you a term said, go to page two, click now on click this, on this website. And it immediately would move that second item that you clicked on. So the first one you went to, you clicked it, you looked at it and you left back to the SERP. Then you went to page two, clicked on another result, stayed on that page and just kind of clicked around. Rank, yeah. And then immediately that one that was on the second page started appearing in that yeah. first page. Surprised we didn't DDoS him. <laughs> what, well, and what I know he did at one conference and apparently it worked well, and the one that we were at didn't work quite so well. I but it was up. really interesting how it's real time. It it's understands really quick, yeah. okay the result that I'm serving immediately. The first result is not what is relevant for the majority of the searchers, and therefore. If they like this one, I need to move that to the top mm -hmm. for all my other users. And that could have been geographic as well. We're all in the same room. Yeah. And that, and no, it, that's completely true, but it, it, the point is still yeah. Probably how on the same IP works. address if you're yeah. connected to the <laughs> Wi-Fi. Oh, it looks kind of the same IP yeah. address. Yeah. yeah. They, were, they, were, they caught on to Rand's game there, right. but, mm -hmm. but, it, but it, it proves the point. But it proves the point, you're right, that the, hu the human interaction with websites has a major influence on search mm -hmm. ranking today. And, and not a lot of people really understand that. So when you, th when you think about it and you say, okay, what does this really mean? It means you really got to focus on keeping people on your website. You got to focus on pushing them through a funnel and not letting them bail out. Because anytime someone goes back to the search engine from your website, that is a negative signal and it's going to, uh, adversely affect your ranking not just for that query but potentially for any search and that's another reason why the spamio seo techniques never really work because you you may drive more traffic but right. if that traffic says i don't like what you have to offer and it bounces it, it all balances out that way so you kind of gave me a, a decent segue there what's the first thing that they see and the searcher sees after they search a term that'd be the the con oh well so the title tag and yes. your meta description yes. on the search so engine the results page. SEO 101 of 101 is having a proper page title and meta description that matches a searcher's intent, is enticing enough to make them click on it, and come to your website. I think this is one of the most overlooked pieces of SEO, right? Because people think about, oh, my title tag, just it, it's at the top, of, it's in the tab on the top of the browser. No one really pays attention to it. No. It's the first thing they At see on the billboard. search engine results page. The meta description, no one sees that, people say. No, guess what? That's the call to action that's getting people to click through to you on the search engine results page. Those should be crafted by skilled content writers. Really not just thinking about, am I, um, do I have the keywords in there that, that I'm trying to rank for, but do they do a good job of selling that I am the, the 
website that someone needs to click on. Right. How? I mean, if, if they see you and like, oh, that's what I want to click on. Okay, this is exactly what we were just talking about. If a ton of people start clicking on you, though Google says every time click-through rate is not a ranking factor, well, it is a part of rank brain. I'm sorry, it is. It has to be. We've seen it happen. So have an enticing page title and a dis a descriptive meta description. Right. So that, those, you know, we consider those on-page right. SEO optimizations, right? What what other factors? So we, we definitely feel like the, the title and the meta description are probably number one and number two in terms of importance right. of on-page SEO. What are some other things you should be focused if you on? Look at, if you look at that as a hierarchy, yes, the page title is you telling Google and the searcher what your page is about. Further down that hierarchy, you run into headers. So your H1 tag, and you should only have one H1 tag on any given page. Your H1 tag is another variation of that keyword that you're targeting. It could even be the same keyword you're targeting in the page title. It is the best indicator, again, of what the topic of the page is. And then you move to H2 headers which are subsets of your H1. This is a, it, it works as a hierarchy. So H1, H2, H3, and each of those fall. It almost looks like, um, if you ever remember writing an outline, so you'd have the number one, and then you'd have one A, one B, one C, and then you could have, you know, it goes it goes further in. So that would be your, your H1 is your one, your H2 is your one A. Yep. And yeah, so I, I think when Google's looking at the content on your site, it's trying to understand the structure and the semantics of what you're talking about. You can really help Google understand that by figuring out using HTML, using these H1s, H2, H3s, a structure that makes sense. Mm -hmm. You know, so for example, if you had um, an amenities page, right, that that H1 might be amenities for this hotel name. But then the H2s might be each individual amenity. And then the H3s may be specific points or value propositions of each of those amenities. And one thing that I think is super important to remember, and this is one thing that, to use Melissa's term, always burns my buttons. H1s, H2s, and H3s are not design elements. Nope. They're structure elements. And you need to make sure your content team also very clearly understands this because a lot of times a writer might say, oh, I'd like for this copy to be a little bit bigger. And the lazy way of doing that is, oh, I'm just going to set this as an H1 also. And then what you end up with is... Google thinks you have plenty <coughs> of topics going. Right, you have, you have a pretty page, but you're completely missing the point of the whole point of a H1 being the only thing on that page that this page is about, and then H2, 3, So So think about it like this. Say your, your H1 is water features, your H2 is pools and your h3s are indoor pools and outdoor pools mm -hmm. i mean that, that's just how that hierarchy works yeah and then you have paragraph when you get to yep. the yep. body yeah. copy so <laughs> we talked about titles we talked about headers we talked about meta descriptions people still get hung up on meta keywords stop <laughs> just stop don't even bother putting them in no Nobody one cares. no search engine looks at, at meta keywords no anymore. your competition might see what you're targeting yeah if you're that down so just delete them don't worry no, about don't, them don't do that yeah for sure what what about other content you know other people get hung up on the amount of key amount of words the amount of characters on the page 
things like that. Well, he, again, we're going to go back to what you said mentioned earlier was 10 X content. What is the intent of your page? When you can go search a few different variations of that intent, see what your competition's doing, gather up all the information they have, plus what you're adding to the mix that you're going to create 10 X content. It's going to be better than what, what, what else is out there. And you're much more likely to rank. Yeah. The advice I always give my clients is right. Don't worry about, does it need to be 200 words or a thousand words? And the people have these magic numbers, right? Which don't really mean anything to me. And what I advise my clients is write the appropriate amount of content that answers the question right. that you're trying to answer on that page or provides the information that you're trying to portray on and as that much page. of it as you possibly right. can. So you know what? We've got sites and pages that rank number one that have 50 words on those pages because they answer a specific question. But then we've got pages that have 10,000 words on right. them. And there isn't a magic use, number. Use, use Wikipedia as an example, right? So when you search for, I don't know, uh, any, any animal. Well, this animal's page on Giraffe. Wikipedia, sure, it might have, you know, three scrolls worth of content. Or it might have one. But right. it answers yeah. all the information you need yep. to know. And Wikipedia ranks very high. Yes, they're an authoritative site and all that. But just answer yeah. the question. Don't get hung up on Number. magical numbers. Yeah. You know, it, it's just... Number of times you use the keyword on that yeah. page. Stop Number it. Of, yes, just, write that's for people. Right. Write as if you're... You understand the intent of someone landing on that page. Don't forget to put on a call to action on that page to send them somewhere else on your site. Once they've answered that question, you might want to nudge them into another direction because you, you, you know, you never know. Every page on your website potentially could be the, the landing page from anyone. So you got to make sure that they don't run into a dead end. Mm -hmm. But the length of that content doesn't really matter as much. Yeah, no. and if there's other com as your site progresses and get progresses and gets more mature you're going to have written other content that's relevant so instead of rewriting the all the content on your site every time you post an article just link out to it you know that's helpful from you know internal linking perspective but also it leads that customer store to your point you know through all the information on the website where it makes sense the customer and back to our original the crawler so yeah. the crawler follows your internal links and it can associate one piece of content with another and that's you know really helpful when you're trying to generate you have a bunch of content around said topic. Yep. All right, so let's let's move forward. We kind of talked about on on page stuff, but there's stuff behind the scenes that is important and I don't think people really understand the value of things like schema markup. Sure. Um yeah, we can jump into schema. Uh so schema is a way to structure all of that content on your site. Um We've talked about it before. From a hotel perspective, have the hotel schema on your website. What this is, it, it, it sits behind the scenes. A customer's never going to see it. But what you're doing is providing those crawlers and spiders all the information you can about your business. That is everything from your property's name to your logo, a link to your logo, to all the amenities you offer, to your check-in, check-out times. Uh, um, ADA accessibility, everything about your property can be included in these markups. And and it's a quick way for Google to just scan that content. Okay, got it, moves on. And, and you're also rewarded with 
cool SERP features. Like I mentioned earlier with the aggregate rating type of stuff, it pops those stars in right next to your organic listing of this is a four star property. This is a three star property, whatever. Um, it's, it's extremely helpful in that it's extremely helpful in answering voice searches. I did mention check and checkout times. I'm sure if you looked at your search terms reports, you're going to see a lot of people looking for your check-in checkout times. It's commonly searched in the hotel space. You know, if someone asks their phone, hey, what's the checkout time of X hotel? It's just going to spit it back out to them. That's done with your schema markup. Yeah, we, we've talked about schema a lot on other episodes, so I don't want to belabor the point. But um, actually, we talked about it a lot in that voice search episode mm-hmm. that we mentioned earlier. It's, it's really important because it helps Google understand again the semantics of the content that gives them meaning and especially like you said with voice search really helps give provide the search engines with discrete information that is relevant to a specific query a specific question like check-in times like amenities like location things like that If, if you're struggling with schema then definitely talk to your web developer they they typically will be the experts on that and if you go to schema.org it has documentation on the, the features, the features that you should be doing. Do as much schema as possible. It, it's not going to hurt you unless you're putting right. incorrect information in. And kind of along the lines of that, make sure your schema markup and your Google My Business are matching each other when we're talking about check-in, check-out times, and we're talking about features and amenities. That stuff, if it all lines up, that's a positive ranking factor for you. Right. All right, so let's jump into another factor is the XML sitemap. So XML sitemap is you giving the crawler a map of your site. Again, this is something, I mean, we said schema's not uh, customer-facing. Neither is your XML sitemap. Unless someone searches sitemap.xml on your site, they're not going to find this. This is you giving the crawler a map. Here are the pages I want you to go through. Um, It's basically want to include every page on your site you you can have multiple different sitemaps but you want to submit all of these sitemaps to google and say hey this is the way i'd like you to crawl my site right it's a good another good way we're talking about content hierarchy before on an individual page this is a good way for you to tell google the hierarchy of the site overall right and they, they there's you if you give any look at a xml sitemap you'll see like priority on there google's come out and said they don't really care about priority anymore so don't put too much weight on that um but but definitely have an xml sitemap definitely submit it to your google search console and like i said this is this is the way to announce new pages on your site it gives the the crawlers a map of everything they need to go through yeah there's a couple of things that are important i think from a you know, Google doesn't give us a lot of information about how to optimize, but they do give us some. They say, you need an XML sitemap. You need to have schema markup. You need to do this and this. You so need do, a fast site. Yeah. yeah, so do all the things that Google says because they're specifically asking for it. I think one thing on the sitemaps that everyone needs to be very careful about is you don't want all your pages necessarily to show on that sitemap. If you have a dedicated thank you page for different forms, if you have pages that you're in the process of building that aren't done, you want to make sure you have those set to no index, no follow, because it can cause a big problem mm-hmm. when all of a sudden one of the main entrance pages to your site is the thank you page for your content. Yeah, as, as the sitemap is the 
map you give to the crawler to say, hey, please look at these pages. Yep. There's things like your robot.txt file where you can say disallow thank you page. And in it, you're basically telling Google, don't waste your crawl space that you have for my site on this page that doesn't matter. I don't want it Nothing to Nothing to see here. We don't yeah. Want, yeah. And this is usually just a checkbox. If you're using WordPress and a plugin like Yoast, Yoast yeah. it's just it's a checkbox that you hit. Yep. to make sure that page is an index. It's yeah. important to do. And if any of this stuff is a little over your head in terms of technical, go Google it. You know, mm-hmm. Google has so many resources that there, there are millions of people that are in the same boat that you are and have asked the same questions and people have answered those questions. So you know, for, for the sake of time, because we're already over an hour on this show, we can't get into the specific how-tos on a lot of this stuff, but Google is full of resources that you can go and just a couple of searches on how to set up a Google or how to set up an XML sitemap or how to do schema.org, whatever it is, Google will have the answers for you. It's great. Um, One other thing that we were going to touch on uh, was keyword research. We kind of touched on this a bit in terms of find out what you want to rank for. What you want to rank for are things that differentiate you from your competition. So if you have indoor pools, if you have glamping, if 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 you're in proximity to a certain venue like like a sports venue or concert venue or whatever those things can set you aside Um, when you're doing your keyword research you know look at hotels near venue x whatever those type of things are what you want to create content around they're what you want to you know target from from a keyword research perspective and focus on you know relevance and volume Mm -hmm. those are the two things you know because it might be that there's a keyword that you're super relevant for but no one searches it there's 12 people searching a month don't waste your time you know find these golden nuggets where they're super relevant and there's a lot of volume right what tools would you recommend people look at for keyword research um i like using keyword uh, google's keyword planner um that which is a free tool that anyone can get. right and if you spend more money with them you get more data out of it <laughs> it's a free tool though um there's you know if you if you're looking for others i mean like keyword tool.io keyword suggest.io i mean there's there's tons out there yeah. just Ahrefs search, has yeah, a lot of good Ahrefs. go search keyword research tools and i'm sure you're going to come out with a plethora um yeah. but i i still always kind of default to google's keyword planner there's one great keyword planner that I don't know if anyone uses but it's your hotel's guests <laughs> and this yeah. is a, this is an underused one us? yeah how did you find us what is important to you, you know, what yeah. what are the things that make the people who actually stay at your property stay at your property and make sure those are front and center yeah. on the site in general because you might say well the reason that people stay at my property is because I have a silly submarine in my mm-hmm. pool area yeah and nobody cares if you're. I want to go and stay with a silly submarine. Well, then you're in luck because it's probably going to stay with a yellow website. submarine. But if nobody cares about it, don't make that the most important thing on your website. If right. everyone cares about how you have incredibly fast elevators and that's why they stay there, maybe that's something. Not that it is something, but maybe it's something that you need to to focus more effort on. I mean, yeah. even included as an amenity. I don't. Right. I mean, it's, it can be as simple as that. Yeah. It doesn't need to be a whole blog post or anything. Yeah, and a proxy for that. I mean, definitely talk to your guests, but another thing you might want to look at is adding a search to your website, Mm -hmm. a keyword Mm -hmm. search, and then looking at the keywords that people are entering in your website because that's the kind of content that they're interested in finding and you're probably not doing a good enough job putting it in front of them because you're forcing them to search for it. So this goes on kind of a little bit of a tangent. When you have a, a search on your website, 
I know Google is able to see that search because you can type in the website name space and mm -hmm. then do a search and it will just run that search mm -hmm. directly on there from a, an optimization perspective. I mean, what value does having, you know, the private Google search right, labeled Google search on a, a site? Is that yeah, something that everyone I, should I don't, be doing? I don't, I don't know. You need to use the Google one. I mean, I think if you're using a CMS like WordPress or whatever, I think it, it, it does fine. I think the fact that you have, a utility on the site that keeps people on the site for longer and stops them from bailing out back to Google, back to the rank brain discussion is more important than anything else. Mm -hmm. it, right. So I wouldn't overthink it and say, oh, I have to use the Google version of a site search. I don't think that's as important. You know, anytime you use Google products, it's probably to your advantage, but I think in that case, do what makes sense for your, your situation. But to me, the, the insight you can glean from the data that you're collecting is more important than anything else. Also, um, within search results, when you search that topic or keyword you're looking for, see what Google's suggesting. I mean, they have related searches at the bottom of the query. That's, you know, that's something that can be useful to you as well. See what those people who search this also search this. It's like the Amazon thing. Right. right. It makes sense. And one, one thing that we, we haven't even touched on today is, is Google Search Console and the fact that you know, there's information in that tool that isn't available anywhere else anymore. Yeah, you, you know? can you can look at individual pages of your site and see what queries people search to hit it. Um, it's it's super useful, uh, especially if you're trying to create content, additional content, or tweak your content on your site. Um, I think, you know, like Stuart said, definitely utilize Google Search Console. All right, so then the final thing I wanted to talk about before I think it would be remiss of us not to include it is just links. You know, we talked earlier about the three big factors being content and rank brain and links. What what should people be doing from a linking perspective? Getting as many backlinks as you can from quality relevant All right, websites. so let's define what a bank backlink so is. So a backlink is somebody linking to your website. So back to what we were talking about earlier, it's it's essentially a vote of confidence or or it's some kind of authoritative note to Google saying, hey, this person is credible. Right. It gives your site authority that, you know, basically someone else says you are an authority on the subject. So it I, like I said before, this is probably never going to go away as a really important ranking factor. And the more relevant sites that you can get to link to you, uh, um, the better. It's 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 always going to be beneficial. Now, don't go chasing this because this can get you in a lot of trouble. They had a whole algorithm update about penalizing people doing spammy links. We talked about it, but um, you know, if you can have people link to you, I don't care if it's just your vendors, if it's you know guests, even social mentions. Now, they're not considered the same as a back a true backlink from another website, but you know, even a mention of your site is is better than nothing. Yeah, I feel like we could do a whole episode on how to create links to your website, but I, I think... I think I did. Did we do an episode on that? I think a long time ago. It could definitely be updated. Pete, will you look that up real quick? Um, but I, I think at the end of the day, you've got to do it organically, <coughs> right? You can't cheat the system. There's, there's no artificial way to create backlinks that is sustainable and authentic Google looks at things like what they call the link profile. So they mm -hmm. look at how many links you have, but they also look at what type of quality links you have and what matters is that it looks normal. You yeah, know, if you and can, if you have too many of one type of link, Google's going to see that suspiciously. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, if you can help somebody, you can likely get a link from them. That's the way I always look at it. So anybody you're currently working with, um, it's likely yeah, to vendors, get partners, yes. especially if you're doing stuff with like, say, say you've reached out to a bunch of um, sports, like tournaments, soccer tournaments, mm-hmm. and that you're their preferred accommodation partner. Make sure Ask them to link. link to you. You know, th- those kind of votes of confidence are really good. And especially look for if you have partnerships with local schools, yes. things like that, edus.govs. Those kind of links tend to have more value. Yeah, than Google puts a, a lot of authority into .edu and .gov. So if yeah, you have any governmental or, or education, you know, if you're the preferred hotel of any of those, put that, make sure you're getting a link out of it. Episode 31. Wow, that was a long time that ago. I was impressed that you even remembered that. Yeah, building links like a boss. The hotelier's simple guide to link building. There you go. I'll update that. We'll do a new one. We probably episode need to. Episode 31. That, that's, yeah. <laughs> couple of years ago now so um can i touch on one more thing before we sign off sure because it's not like this is the longest episode we've ever done <laughs> or anything local citations so this is making sure that your website information matches your google my business information matches what's out there on yelp hot frog axiom localese all of these listing aggregators your, if your business information is the same across the net, my information I'm talking about, your business name, your address, your website, your phone number, make sure all of that is consistent. Um, you, you, it's, it's a pretty big ranking factor. So if you have some time, go take a look at all those sites I just mentioned, plus others. Yeah, and if you, there are tools out there to help you do that more efficiently than doing it manually. You know, we use tools here, but... You know, all of this is very overwhelming. I get it, right? At the end of the day, what, what our advice to everyone listening is be authentic, be yourself, and put your best foot forward in search engines. But but pay attention to the details that Google tells you to pay attention to. And and a lot that's why we focused on the things we focused on today. But at the end of the day, if if this is not something you're comfortable really taking on yourself, go find a professional out there that that knows their stuff, that is, is an expert in this domain. And don't just find any old SEO firm. Find someone that find understands <laughs> hospitality <laughs> SEO. I was getting there slowly, man. You kind of jumped the gun. I was, you know, Fuel, I, I will toot your horn a little bit here. I mean, we do a lot of marketing services here at Fuel and, and the software and all that stuff. But I really do feel like our SEO is probably the best thing we do uh, you know every client we have that we spend the appropriate amount of time doing seo for ranks really well and more importantly generates a tremendous roi so if you do need help with seo that is something that fuel can help you with it if you just go to fueltravel.com there's there's a form on there you can fill out on the seo page and, and ask for more information but you don't have to pay someone to do that. You can certainly hire someone internally to write content right. and focus on this stuff and talk to your web developer. You certainly don't need us. But if it's just to the point where it's overwhelming or you want to take it to the next level, that's certainly something we can help you out with. And if you're doing this stuff on your own, keep in mind that SEO is not an overnight thing. It's a long-term strategy. It may take you a while to increase in rankings, but don't give up on it. It's... It, it, it's worthwhile. It should be at a minimum thirty to forty-five percent of your total revenue. Yeah, natural search traffic should be and revenue. Yeah, thirty, forty percent. Yeah. So, I mean, is there anything else that you can put your hand on your heart and say is as important as that? I, I mean, to me, I think I still think SEO is probably the cornerstone of any marketing strategy. So, still to this day, maybe it's less than it was, 
But that there's nothing else that individually you're doing that's generating well, that I much mean, it all, it percentage. All, it all falls back on you creating the best experience you can for your your guest, essentially. So, right. Yes. And the fact the fact presence. that that experience is the same experience that every guest that comes to your site, whether they come from email or paid advertising or social, wherever, it's the same experience. So the bet the more you invest in SEO and in creating that better mousetrap the more all your other marketing initiatives are going to improve as well. So that was SEO 101 slash 102 slash 103. Yeah, we just beat your ears for an hour yeah. plus. But I think it's valuable and I think it's a discussion that needs to be had because there's so much fear mongering out there about SEO and how it's dead. It's not dead. It's died 27 times in the last five years, I feel like. I mean, we were one of those deaths when we said, is voice search killing SEO? <laughs> we're good at clickbait. We are. <laughs> Yeah, I, as much as I hate clickbait, I really appreciate how much we use clickbait to generate clicks for our podcast titles. Oh, you, we notice when we don't have a clickbaity title and when we do, the, the difference. Right. Last week's episode, SEO for right, you. Last week's episode, if you didn't listen to it, was about uh, our predictions for high tech um, 2019. And uh, I called it the shocking predictions <laughs> for high tech 2019. It got a ton of clicks. It was awesome. There was nothing shocking in there other than we were, sh <laughs> we were shocked by the fact that there were no crazy predictions. Uh, but speaking of high tech, we're going to be there in a couple of weeks. It's uh, in Minneapolis in on uh, June 19th and tw 18th, 19th and 20th. We're going to be at booth 2920. We're going to be giving away a new travel study at high tech so come see us ask us about all that stuff that's going on we're also going to be doing live interviews so if you're a hotelier want to talk about your property or if you're a vendor and you want to talk about what you're pitching and peddling what wares you have that you're peddling at high tech we'd love to do an interview with you with you just come stop by booth 2920 uh, you can get the show notes for today's show this mammoth long episode at fueltravel.com slash podcast and you can click on episode 113. And you can also, we'll put links to the other um, SEO episodes that we referenced in the show in the show notes as well. So, Pete. Yes. Where can they find you on the web if they want to ask you questions about bees? They can ask me any questions they want on Twitter at pdimao, P-D-I-M-A-I-O. And Philip, if they want to follow up on any of the SEO-related stuff you've said today, where can they find you? On Twitter at pfariska, P-F-O-R-I-S-K-A. You can find me at Stuart Butler. You can also find us collectively at Fuel Travel. And uh, again, you can get the show notes at fueltravel.com slash podcast and click on episode 113. And until next time, you have been listening to the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. <laughs>